Welcome to Tales from the Abyss, the most unfiltered, unselfish, unapologetic, unpretentious, the greatest celebration of freedom of speech in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Tell him, Jay. Folks, it's that time again. That's right. Woo! It's time for another wonderful episode of Tales from the Abyss. I am Jay Linder, and with me, as always, is my good friend, buddy, and partner in crime co-host, Mr. Pad Wu Rojo, mm. for a little bit. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Well... Tonight, folks, we are going to be talking about a recent movie. We're going to be moving away from the horror stuff that we have been on here recently. But you know what? We're going to bring this movie up because it came out over the summer, but we had been so busy here here at Tales from the Abyss, we just hadn't had time to cover it. And so we're going to do it tonight. And with that, my friend, we're going to toss it over to you. Why don't you tell the folks what we're talking about tonight? We're talking about 2022 Elvis. Love this movie. Me too. It's a movie that's uh, it's been done many times. Um, I'm snacking. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I've been cleaning the house and <laughs> um, and I've been real uh, doing some outside work in the yard with the leaves. But um, this 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 movie, uh, man, it took me by surprise because you know Elvis has been done many times before the movie, and this one I remember when they were filming it. That was when um um. COVID hit. Uh, yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah, and Tom Hanks and his wife, they were in Australia filming this movie and they both got COVID and it was a big thing in the news. Yeah, I remember that too. And I remember like it was announced, like it was a big thing because Tom Hanks was like one of the very first celebrities to get it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's like Tom Hanks has COVID. Him and his wife are stranded in Australia and then people were sending him pictures from Castaway with Wilson and all that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it comes to find out, they're like, yeah, you sent him a movie about Elvis Presley, and he was playing Colonel Tom Parker. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> and it was. And uh, on that same year, I don't remember the movie, but there was a documentary-style movie that came out in which they were pretty much painting Elvis as a racist and sensitive man. I don't even think this movie went very far, but... I know it was it was out there on on twenty twenty. I don't know if you remember that one. No, I, I remember something about. I mean, I've never seen it, but and I don't want to. But I mean, it's I've not seen that. But if you want to do want to see a good documentary on Elvis Presley, go on HBO Max and there's a two part documentary on there called Elvis Presley: The Searcher. And it's awesome. I've seen it. Yeah, that's really, really good. Very detailed. Very, very detailed. And uh, I mean, you have people. You hear people from his life speak, like uh, Priscilla Presley and uh, Jerry West, uh, Jerry Schilling, and and um, some other. You know, his Memphis Mafia people, as they called them. But mm-hmm. uh, they all speak on the documentary. It's very insightful. Because mm-hmm. Elvis was on. Uh, he was a good old country boy. Man, very well mannered. The biggest mama's boy on earth. Yeah, very well mannered. Um, patriot. He went into the military, even though he was the biggest star in the world. It was something good for the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem was that um, different times in America, and Elvis was really guilty of his poverty. He grew up around blacks, and he knew no better. He the only thing that he knew how to move his hips and how to project himself with a guitar 
was because he had seen black people doing it. He wasn't really trying to steal nothing from them other than that's all he knew. No, that's what influenced him. Exactly. He wanted, in my opinion, I think he wanted to take his, you know, down-home country boy route and let's mix it up for the little rock and roll, you know, and and then throw in um, throw in some dance moves there. I guess that's what he was calling it. I don't know. But, you know, throw in some gyrations and let's get the ball rolling. Yeah, because even in those times, if you notice it, a lot of people were not very happy with him. Nude Elvis, apparently, of course, you know, I'm, I may be older, but, you know, not that old. I wasn't around back then. No. But um, apparently Elvis, yeah, was taking a lot of heat from uh, because of his movements when he sang and performed. But uh, people considered it lewd act and trying to have him arrested. Yeah, so it's not like he was uh they I mean it's not like a bunch of Caucasians gather around and oh man, I can't wait for Elvis to come to my town. He was really uh he really had to earn it the hard way. He did. Yeah. He did. I mean I think Elvis paid his dues, in my opinion. Yeah. He did. And unfortunately if somebody was gonna be uh anti immigrant or racist or something like that <laughs> Elvis had a big case because the man that was managing him play in this movie by Tom Hanks was not only an illegal uh, sit, uh illegal alien <laughs> I don't know what's the right word to use that's all alien's I mean. fine because he seemed pretty strange you know what I mean? <laughs> no no but I mean they say it's racist to call people that but Colonel Parker a white man's before people think that I'm talking shit about somebody's color of skin because the, the your color of skin has nothing to do with your uh with your uh, citizenship, is is this this Colonel Parker? He's sneaking to this country, and he worked the shit out of this man. And they say, you know, that he was the one who made him, so he was entitled to this and that. But I, man, he overworked this man. He knew all the problems that this man was having with drugs and and whatever. And Elvis wasn't like he was a junkie out there seeking drugs just for the hell of it. He got involved in this because he started taking all this medications to sleep, medications to wake up, medications to calm down. And eventually, it got him. I I agree. Um, I think Elvis got into music for the love of music because yes. he always loved music. If you go back and look at even his some of his last concerts, I mean, he loves to sing. Yes, but I think you know, like you were just saying, all the all the stress, the stress, tension, and everything that also goes along with being you know. I mean, Elvis was a megastar. He's a megastar. Biggest star in the world. You know what's so crazy about, about Elvis? The the one thing that I'm always always remind myself of him whenever I listen to his music yearly and and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, in my line of work, you know, we meet people working in my line of work in the uh um what do I call it? The uh um the industry, the um the service industry. Meeting people from around the world, man, mm-hmm. to this day, young people from, I've met people from Israel, I've met people from uh, Czechoslovakia, I've met people German, from mm-hmm. all over different parts of the world, even young people, and their face just light up when they talk about they have been to uh, to uh, Graceland. I have never been to Graceland, Jay. I, 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 don't, I don't know what kind of experience it is. I've been. So, you've been to Graceland? Yeah, well, I'm, I grew up with Elvis Presley in my house. Um, my mom and dad and other members of my family, especially my aunt and my cousin, I mean, we all loved Elvis. Right. So we uh, 
spring break, seventh grade year, we piled on a car and went out to Memphis and saw Graceland. And, you know, it, the inside of it's cool. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have the now famous jungle room and the TV room, which back then, you know, all that was hot shit back then. You know what I mean? You know, shag carpets and all that kind of stuff. Mirrors on the ceilings. <laughs> and, I mean, but Graceland was cool. Graceland was cool. But the problem was now, probably not back then, but mm-hmm. now is that, you know, it, it's located in a kind of a rough neighborhood. Where Where is located at? I, uh, I know it's off of Elvis Presley Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> and but it's, uh, I, I remember it being, be, be, it being in some sort of a rough neighborhood. Okay, I've only been to Knoxville. I've been to Knoxville too. Yeah, but I've never been, I've never been to Memphis, but, uh, this yeah. uh this 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 movie is probably one of the best the best Elvis movies that I have ever seen and and we can go back to uh some of the uh the actors that have played Elvis in the past the one that impressed me always impressed me was uh Kurt Russell Kurt Russell because <laughs> he had I knew it I knew it was well it was John Carpenter directed that movie with Kurt Russell yes it was it was John John yeah. Carpenter doing something that we're not used to seeing him in but uh, yeah it was still a good movie oh god man I haven't seen that movie since I was like six and in 1998 Harvey Keitel played uh, a man claiming to be Elvis in uh, in the movie uh Finding Graceland. Never seen it. You never seen that movie? Never seen it. Here's a classic beyond belief. Um, a cult classic unlike no other. All if right. there is such thing as a cult classic, Bruce Campbell played Elvis and Baba Hotep. Seen that. That's a good one. That's a good movie. Yeah. Michael Shannon played Elvis and Elvis and Nixon, and that was good. I haven't seen that either. Bob Kilmer played Elvis in True Romance. Awesome. That yeah. whole movie is fantastic. And Val Kilmer can't do no wrong. Absolutely. Good Val. Yeah. Tyler Hilton played Elvis in Walk the Line. I remember that, but he had a short part. It wasn't nothing. Uh, yeah, it was very short. Mm-hmm. Um, Walk the Line's a great movie, too, though. It was a great movie. Great movie. Yeah. And here's another one that I've always remembered this one. And this one was very, very good. This man actually played a good Elvis. Don Johnson in Elvis and the Beauty Queen. I didn't know that. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it was a 1981 uh, TV movie for NBC. I do, I do know that there was like, back in the late 80s, there was like a romantic comedy fantasy movie mm-hmm. that Elvis comes back to life. I think the movie's called Heartbreak Hotel. I don't, I can't, I think I'm pretty sure what it's called. But I remember that movie sort of. And I remember my, my aunt and my mom and my cousin and, you know, all the Elvis freaks in my family, they loved it. Yeah, and uh, Jack White played Elvis in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. <laughs> that movie's hilarious, man. That movie's funny. That movie's funny. <laughs> that very, very underrated comedy. And this movie came out when comedies were funny. You know what I mean? Comedies now are shit. Yeah, comedies whatever. are now. They're they're just a woke piles of shit. I mean, this is like stupid stuff. It's not even. Yeah. It's not even. It's not comedy. It's just that bullshit that they do. Yeah, it's stupid shit that they put on Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live hasn't been relevant or funny in years. Dude, the last time I watched Saturday Night Live was when Eddie Murphy hosted it like two years ago, and, I, and that, that was, was probably funny. Funny, and Eddie Murphy cussed on camera. It was hilarious. Yeah, I know when when uh, 
and he was doing a lot of uh, stuff in there, sending a lot of messages out there when, um, um, golly, I can't believe it. As soon as I do the show, I start forgetting names. The leader of the Rolling Stones, uh, Mick Jaggers. Mick Jagger, yeah. He was yeah. real good. Uh, Drake, rapper Drake was excellent on Saturday Night Live. And uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was very funny on Saturday Night Live. Okay. So was Dave Chappelle, but that's all I remember. The rest of these this guys, uh, I don't know. And then here's a guy that did a, um, Michael uh, St. Gerard in Elvis. He did he did that movie. That movie was a, a, a TV series, actually, the 90s. And he looked just like Elvis. Okay. I also remember there was another miniseries with Elvis uh, back in the 90s, maybe, late 80s. Uh, called Elvis and Me, and it was based off of Priscilla Presley's book. I've heard of that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot that. Oh, man, it just hit me like a bolt of lightning. The guy that played Elvis in that, Elvis and Me, played the lead character, Lewis, in Pet Cemetery. Yep, that's him. That's there him. you go. Yep. And uh, Drake Milligan, he played it in Sun Records. He played a young Elvis. Okay. Those are some of the the ones that um that we that we notice here in Tilt from the Abyss that have made an impact playing Elvis because there have been so many, but I have to say that uh, this specific actor, Austin Butler, he hit Elvis man nail in the head, bro. Like he nailed that part. Give the man the Oscar now. Ah, uh, it's too too soon now. Our man here no, from Art no, the Clown may have a Art the Clown may have a say so in this. There is no way in hell you could have found anyone better to play Elvis Presley than that guy. No, the the, the people who casted it, the the did the casting in this movie, they I mean, bro, unbelievable. Yeah, they they whew, they really they really stole the show with this thing. I mean, it's just incredible. It, I mean, I, I thought Tom. I mean, and what actually what gets lost in all of this is Tom Hanks as Tom Parker. As Tom Parker, no, it was it was. I mean, without him, this thing would have been just like the other ones, just a simple Elvis movie, just another Elvis movie. Well, what was so cool about this Elvis movie that I actually went back and rewatched this like Sunday night? I've seen it multiple times. I've seen it twice. And I've seen it like three or four times. And uh, what I love about it is the director is Baz Luhrmann. Luhrmann? Yes, Baz Luhrmann. And I know he directed the 90s Romeo and Juliet but um, and Moulin Rouge, I think. Yes. But anyway, his visual style, like kind of flashy, glitzy, fits Elvis's personality and, and especially his later life. To a T. Yeah, it, it, he captures him on stage better than no other till this point. And, yeah, unless it was I mean, one of the old Elvis movies like, himself. Right, I mean, you're correct. I mean, to a T, he captures the, that, that flash and flare. When you get, like, my favorite part of the movie, all right, first of all, my favorite stage of Elvis, because like I, said, I grew up with the man in my house, right? My favorite stage of Elvis is late 60s, early 70s, because that man was on freaking fire. That's when he made his comeback. Everything that guy did, there was a flame trail, and he was everything he touched turned to gold. That's when he made his comeback. Yeah, that 68 comeback special today is my favorite all-time live 
like special concert. I love it. It's just amazing. He was full of energy. That is my favorite like point of Elvis Presley in his career. So to see that on the big screen and Austin Butler being Elvis was just outstanding. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Um, like my favorite Elvis song is the song If I Can Dream, which is in the movie. That's the song he sings to close out the 68 comeback special. Yes. Um, due to, you know, it's the late 60s. The world has changed. Nobody likes Elvis's movies anymore because basically they're crap. That's why. Yeah, because all they did was they needed him just for him, and they let him go out there and have a good time. Wrote him something very simple. Right, so they just wanted him to sing on film. Yeah, just be Elvis. You know, Elvis in Hawaii, Elvis in this, Elvis in that. But then the world changed. Mm. You know, the world wasn't so happy-go-lucky anymore. It was, you know, Vietnam and protest and you know make love not war things I mean, you know shootings at colleges and all kinds of stuff i mean it, the world had changed yeah a big shout out to all our military veterans that are listening this week absolutely man um including you November 11th on friday veterans day yeah yeah we won't be doing a show on friday at least i won't be doing a show on friday but jay i don't know if jay's gonna be doing one but just yeah, wanted to... I will be doing a pitch You're thing welcome. this week. My bad if anybody was looking for it. Uh, I I got pretty sick last week with a sinus infection, so I was kind of down and out, and I was doing everything I can to get myself well because I had a very important retirement banquet to go to Saturday night. So, but uh, but yes, I will be doing picks this week. Jay, speaking of the Elvis movies. Um... Jailhouse Rock, Blue Hawaii, Viva Las Vegas. I think Viva Las Vegas may be the um, it it might it might be the most popular one. It might be. It's definitely one of the more famous movie songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But my favorite one is actually King Creole. That's a good one. That is a good. I've seen that one. They HBO I Max has really it. Really like that because Elvis actually acts. Yeah, yeah. No, Elvis had a magnetic personality. It was, it was. I mean, in that movie too, he shares the screen with Walter Walter Matthau mm-hmm. and um, Vic Morrow, Carolyn Jones. So I mean, he he was on screen with some vets there, and uh, some and who went on to have great long careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Elvis was hanging in there with them, man. King Creole is my favorite. I do like the songs in King Creole too. And you know, unfortunately, man, he was gone too soon at the age of forty-two. The King of Rock. Man, I'm a year older than Elvis. You are. So you were a year <laughs> old when he died. What's that now? You're you were one years one year old when he died. No, he died in what seventy-seven. He died in 77, August 16 of 77, he died. Um, I was born in April, none your damn business. <laughs> no, I was born in April 79. Okay, okay, so you were, he was dead before you were even born. But, uh, but, like, but like I said, you know, throughout my whole childhood, you could guarantee three artists in my house. Uh, one was the Allman Brothers. Two was Rod Stewart, and three was Elvis Presley. <laughs> Elvis Presley was number three. Well, I mean, he's number one. But yeah, but I'm just I, saying, yeah, he was the third. Uh, oh, man, don't give me shit. 
That's cool. I mean, I, I, I'm just playing around. What yeah. do you do? You get all quiet. No, 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 no. I'm just thinking about in my house, the music that was played the most that was the Beatles. Um, okay. Elvis and Jim Morrison. That's what the to this day. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Jim Morrison. I thought I did. did you did you like his movie, The Doors movie made by Oliver Stone? Um, not really. I didn't like it either. No, That's what I was wondering. Not really, but you know, big shout out to Val Kilmer because he did look a little bit like Jim Morrison in that one, and he did a good job in it. It's just there. such a visceral, like surreal kind of movie. Yeah, I don't know that that the Oliver Stone. Sometimes, Oliver Stone's kind of out there anyway. So. Sometimes he wants to write his own version of history. He has, he yeah, has. but I mean, Quentin Tarantino does too. But his movies are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at least Quentin Tarantino said this is a reimagining because he got in trouble with that. Uh, for that. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood. I know that movie's so awesome. Though. So awesome, but he got in trouble because. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, because of the way that the the Manson family was portrayed at the end and, and whatnot. Oh, because he changed history and then Sharon Tate lived. And that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. He got in trouble for that. What do you know? It's, it's like, That's why it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a fairy tale, folks. Yeah, it was a make-believe, make-believe movie, yeah. but a little bit loosely based on, on real events that he altered. And not only that, but Tarantino got permission from the correct parties involved so it's not like nobody knew about it yeah no people make a lot of assumptions without even studying nothing i don't know uh wait, wait. you know everybody's woke yeah everybody's everybody's too uh you know big shout out to our friend day full of the butcher Dovachi. he um butcher! <laughs> he posted something this morning that i had to repost oh god he's always posting something <laughs> he's dangerous um, I know those people, man. They, they. You I think never... he's trying to get kicked off the internet. Well, he always does. He always gets kicked out, and he no, he has no problem. I mean, with like it. off the internet. Like, oh, like period. <laughs> You're done, son. Yeah, no, but this morning he he actually put something that makes you sing. He said, "Before you go out and vote, he didn't tell you who to vote for, but he said before you go out and vote, look at your phone one k, look at the tap of uh, the price on the on the on the gas pump." And something else he said, and I thought it was so cool that he said that because it was it, it actually resonated. You know, he didn't tell you who to go vote for. He told you to look at this and this aspects of your life and then decide what's best for you, which that's the way it should be. Right. Yeah, let me see. It's right here. Before you vote tomorrow, but that he put that last night. Go grocery shopping <laughs> and gas and gas up your car. If you have a 401k, go check it. Then go vote. <laughs> Hashtag lyrical spit. You know, Facebook tried to bring him down. Was it Facebook or Twitter? They said the lyrical... From what I remember reading, something about... Okay, if I get kicked out of Facebook, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, but they said the lyrical spit has something to do with drugs. I'm here to tell you uh, that no. it, it's not. It's not. He's been using that lyrical spit. He's got a trademark, and he's been using that for... Whew, a very long time he's had a show. He he one time he did three hundred and sixty one shows in a year. So he basically did an episode a day. He did an episode a day when he was injured and uh, he was trying to rehab back his his uh his ankle and you know he's in Seattle, Washington or Tacoma, Washington, where everybody was locked locked up in their houses. They had less right, freedom right. than most about everybody else in the country. Except yeah. for the people that had the summer of love, they were free to do as they please. Um, and yeah, he did a show every day. 
Every single day he did a show. Even when he got a little bit under the weather, he did a show. So big shout out to him. I thought it was cool that he, he put that this morning. And yes, eventually I, eventually he'll uh, get kicked out. I think Jay is, is fell off a share. No, I'm right here. So Jay, uh, the former manager, Colonel Tom Parker, on his, in his uh -huh. deathbed, he suffered a stroke and he was... Uh, He had a gambling addiction that led him. Basically, he was out there trying to blow all the money that he made from the uh, from the king of rock and roll. So he had a, a bad way out, too. Look, I think the mismanagement of Elvis by Tom Parker is a travesty. However, you know, I, I mean, they say he was a big time gambler and had debts, but. I mean, they act like in the movie his debts were just absolutely, completely outrageous. Do you think that they were really that bad? If he had an addiction and at the level that he was at as fame and making all that money with Elvis Presley, I'm pretty sure that his addiction was very high. I'm sure it was. And I'd like to know which moron casino owner would ever get him an unlimited credit line. Well, I mean, he was managing the biggest, the most famous person on the earth. So I'm I know, but they knew his habits too. There could have been something else. Mm, I don't know, but but the guy was definitely a shady character. I'm not saying that because uh, he was living in this country legally. Is all the shit that he did when he was in here that made him a, a criminal. There's a lot of people that migrate to this country who are very decent, and we actually absolutely need them in this country. He just happened not to be one of them. And and let's face it too, Tom Parker found Elvis at the right time in each other's lives. And Parker, in my opinion, of course, I, mean, I don't know if this is true. In my opinion, Parker saw a country boy who didn't know any better that could sing. Yes. And make money. And he was like, I can pretty much tell this kid anything I want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And that's what happened. But I'm one of those people that argue with it, with anyone that tells me that that Elvis would have never made it without without Tom Parker. I don't believe that. I think I it, maybe think it would have taken him a little bit longer. I, dude, if if another manager had discovered Elvis, okay, you know how Elvis wanted to go international, and because of Tom Parker's past with his passport or green card or whatever the problem was. He wasn't able to go overseas. Yeah, he never Which told. Why Elvis never played in another country. It's all yeah. U.S. states. Yeah, yeah. Elvis, Elvis, Elvis never got to take it to that whole nother level globally because of uh, Tom Parker's uh, uh, legal status in the country as far as uh, his citizenship. Right, and you know, and I think if the right manager, which could have been very possible back then had discovered Elvis, Elvis would have been bigger than what he was because that manager would have been like, hell yeah, we got to go overseas. Because yeah, it wasn't until he died that he actually became a global icon. Right. Like, I, Elvis made way more money, you know, passed away than he ever did alive. Yep. Yep. And this man was basically... They, they they said historians say that that, that Tom Parker really was just a, a lonely, poor, miserable human being towards the end of his life. That that's basically all he did was was try to spend burn all his money. He was trying to burn every single dollar he had before he because he knew he was dying and he didn't want to leave it to anyone. 
Well, I mean, that, that that's his decision on the hill to pull something like that. If you're that miserable, then, um, you know, I mean, hats off to you. But at the same time, I mean, I'm not going to say he deserved it, but, I mean, he may have felt a lot of guilt. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Maybe. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I, I know that, uh, you know, he once he he uh, he got he convinced Elvis to let him take exclusive control of his career. You know, Elvis started seeing the rise. But at some point he understood that that rise was also killing him. And when he tried to confront this man, he had him. He had such a big web of deception that he was just. Letting Elvis know that he was going to sue him for everything, and he actually Elvis actually owned him money, just like they showed you in the movie. That was actually happening in real life. Yep. You know, and El- Elvis, man, Elvis, he the man. The public was so divided with their views of this singer. Let's not forget uh, the segregationist Southern Democrat, <laughs> Mississippi Senator Senator James Eastland, he, he, that he expressed the idea that uh, Elvis Presley music would corrupt uh, white children. Uh, that was the thing, I think, in the movie that they said, too, that Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King said that uh, rock and roll was a sign of juvenile delinquency. Yeah, but I respect, I would respect uh, Martin Luther King more than I would respect this uh, Senator uh, G- James Eastland. The I don't even know who that is, but okay. He was a Southern Democrat and a segregationist. Right. Probably yeah. one of Joe Biden's heroes. I, I'm sorry, you, you, you lost me at Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you ain't gonna <laughs> find me there any more any more than you could remain lost there, buddy. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they saw that this was the devil's music. They did the same thing with Kiss, the band Kiss, and and uh, you know all the big the big acts. They were they were viewed as uh, devil worshiper, devil's music, and whatnot. But you know, Elvis really really was a good hearted man. That that unfortunately. The drugs and all that, and you know, they they said the people close to him. They said that when, when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, they said that Elvis had was heartbroken. He was genuinely hurt. Oh yeah, I mean, it wasn't just that too. Um, like like I was mentioning earlier, when he was doing the '68 comeback special, uh, Dr. King had been shot. Yes, uh, like six miles from Graceland, and he was filming movies, and Elvis felt bad about that. Yeah, he, and he, then he uh, you know, a couple of years later, Bobby Kennedy's assassinated, and all of a sudden, you know, they're making this comeback special, and Elvis. You could in the movie they portrayed as Elvis feeling like there's got to be a way that I can get some positive word out there. And once which again, henceforth, my favorite Elvis song, "If I Can Dream." Yeah, and once again, that that was about as far as it could go because. Uh, Elvis was trying to do more politically outspoken music. And once again, Cornell Parker, Tom Parker, shot him down. Yep. You know, so we really never got to know more about Elvis, how far he could take this music and the things that he could do. Because, you know, it was that yin and yang. It was, uh, once again, Parker was, uh, he was really Elvis's worst enemy. People would think that that was his, his his best friend, but that man was really a, a just a pariah. Yeah, he. I mean, there's no question that Elvis's career could have been much bigger than what it was. And but you know what? In the end, though, still the man's an icon. And I, I have you thought about this too? 
like this, the movie coming out this year is perfect timing because the popularity and Elvis Presley has gone down a lot. Oh yeah. Over the last, I say 10 to 15 years, especially. So I think the last time Elvis was kind of somewhat popular in our culture was when they released a number one hits album. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that everybody bought. But uh, I know I had it. Yeah, I but, got um, on that one. But then this movie comes out and all of a sudden, oh yeah, Elvis. Yeah. And they did oh, it right. You know, this, they did a real <laughs> young, young guy. So the young, younger generation can can relate to him. Right. And and the movie does such a great job of portraying everything. It's uh it's really wonderful. And now the director Baz Luhrmann, I I've seen Romeo and Juliet, but I had not seen Moulin Rouge. I never cared to. Yeah. To be honest. I mean no offense to people who like that kind of stuff. I just not my not not my bag. Right. But um I've never seen it. I uh, me neither. Not Moulin Rouge. I did see Romeo and Juliet. But, yeah, um, yeah but after seeing Elvis, I'm kind of wondering what he's going to do next. What could you possibly do? Elvis in outer space. No, I don't think he's going to touch the Elvis subject again. He should do some, uh, I mean, they got they can do a good movie with the Rolling Stones. They haven't done one with the Rolling Stones okay. yet. Okay, here's the thing, too, okay, about music biopics. This is kind of the thing that kind of makes me, that kind of frustrates with me that when I watch some of these. Uh, now, I love Elvis. I mean, that's, I love Elvis. Elvis right now is actually my second favorite movie of the year. So, and everybody knows what our first one is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. But, um, and so it's easily probably my favorite musical biopic, but... One of the traps of these biopics is that they all follow a certain formula, right? You normally, the movie starts off with a grand moment in the person's career. Like, for instance, in Walk the Line, Johnny Cash, the Johnny Cash movie, the movie starts out with him getting ready to sing at Folsom Prison. Yes. Okay. And then we go to a flashback to when they were a child, and then something tragic happens, and then okay, I want to be a musical star, and then they get noticed, and they get popular, and then they get on drugs, and they get divorced, and they have, like, five wives, and, and then they either pass away in the end, or they grow old to see the error in their ways. I mean, it's just like that, most of them. Yeah. So, Elvis doesn't do that to me. It's big, flashy, full of flair. I love it. Uh, if they did one of the Rolling Stones... I would hope that they would never follow that basic formula because Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie about Queen, people love that movie. It was and good. I thought it was pretty good, but the formula and the way it flowed is so tiresome. It was it was real good. You know what? The one movie that I think that it could work, here's um, one that worked. What's the name of that actor that played Thor on the Marvel Universe? Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. He could be. He could be a good James Hetfield, and do the Metallica biopic. I think Chris Jericho, if he goes back to a short haircut, can uh, play a good John Bon Jovi. <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna do. Uh, I don't know <laughs> yeah, if they're, man, gonna, they're do. gonna call it the Jersey Syndicate. Yeah, I don't know, but I know uh, what's his name. Jason Momoa can be Kirk Hamlet. Uh, 
Cliff Burton. I don't know who can be Cliff Burton. But yeah, they need to do some 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 stuff for people, you know, from the ones that were around when we were kids. It's time. Uh, Glenn Powell, Hangman, can be uh, Lars Ulrich. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. This is this is getting good now. I know. Too bad, you know, none of our five listeners work in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, Jake, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, folks, we need to thank y'all because our listen, listenership <clears throat> has gone up a lot. We had a we had a great show last week with uh with Terrifier Two that is soon to be nominated for an Oscar. A horror <laughs> gem. Yeah. It was the horror movie of two thousand of twenty of twenty twenty two. Yep. Not <clears throat> not the other movie we were looking forward to. No. I refused to say the title again. Yeah, we were not gonna talk about that no more. That's that's it's that's over. It's, we're talking <clears throat> Terrifier, Terrifier Two. Art the Clown, our new icon. Yeah, give me some more art, baby. The new king of Boogeyman. Yeah, yeah man, give me some art. And I, you know what I didn't like about Well, I did, it's not that I didn't like it. I mean, I, like I said, they, they, that's what this movie it was such a big hit because they did a lot of things to to appeal to the to the youth because um, mm-hmm. in the soundtrack, Eminem had a song. <laughs> Well, that was another cool thing. That's what uh, the director did in this is he took established Elvis songs and remixed them and was able to throw certain bits of songs into other songs. It was just a great blend of old and new and whatever's in between. Yeah, yeah. It was a marketing thing for, for, for yeah, to appeal to to the younger demographic, but absolutely loved this movie. It was. It has a, a somewhat of a feel good uh, moments for, for here and there, and also has some very uh, sad moments. It did, you know. Um, you know, when his mother passed away, it crushed him. Yeah, it it, it put a hurt on him, and he, uh, man, he just continued that uh, self destructive ways that were really putting a hurt on his on his life. And this man, I don't think. Uh, Tom Parker knew what he was doing to this man by not taking care of his meal ticket. I've always said in this life, man, there's three people that you cannot have them manage your career and walk away in good shape. One of them is Tom Parker. He, uh, what's his name from Death Row Records? Uh, Suge Knight. Suge. And the other one is Puffy Combs. Those are people that you do not want them running your career. Probably not. No. Especially not Suge, man. <laughs> Suge. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Who? I haven't heard that name, Suge Knight, in a very long uh, time. Well, he's in jail, but uh, yeah, he definitely yeah. wasn't somebody that you wanted to. I mean, like, he took the biggest artist in the world, biggest rapper in the world, and he just surround him with a bunch of gang members. It's like, that's your meal ticket, dude. It's like, don't you have any common sense? <laughs> like you protect, you know, you protect him. He's he's the, that that goose uh, with the golden eggs. Like you cannot have him around that kind of violence, that kind of thing. You can keep him away from it, let him rap about it, make money. Right. But no, he put him right in the middle of that stuff. And down in the Las Vegas trip, the man lost his life. A young black man with a great future lost his life over some bullshit that uh, that that this guy got him into. Well. That's what they say. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, I mean, I agree with him. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I mean, I mean, 
You can't blame Trump for that one. Remember when every- <laughs> <laughs> No. No, you every, can't. Everything in this country got blamed. Man, the, the, the Trump. 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 It's like CNN is in love with this man. Anybody that's single out there, if you're looking for a woman, make sure that she is crazy about you like CNN is crazy about Trump. <laughs> and I guarantee you that you're going to have the best relationship. My God, I used to, I used whatever, to whatever dude be divorced in five minutes. <laughs> man, I used to read CNN every day. It's like everything is about Trump. It's like, is there any other news in the world than 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 Trump? Former and, President Trump uh, tied his shoelaces the wrong way <laughs> and then wiped his ass backwards. Oh my God! You know what I mean? Like, give me a break, dude. Like, golly, like, I don't know. Even if Fox News is talking shit about Joe Biden, I'm like, give it a break. Like, everything's got to be about the one the one person that they don't like. Uh, uh, it's oh. hard to watch that. I mean, it's hard to it's watch hard. all the news in this country. But, Jay, final words on Elvis, the movie. We both loved it. We're going to be talking about it at, when we do our season finale. Yep. Because it's going to come into play. And also, if things... Go the way I think that they're going to go out during our season finale show. We're going to have some big, big news about the first of the year. And when I mean big news, I mean... Big news. Tales from the Abyss is becoming... We're, we're, we're growing. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, we're getting bigger. Yeah. And we don't take no steroids. They think we earned this shit. I, I don't know, man. All I do is 12-ounce curls. <laughs> we put our, <laughs> we put in our time. Yeah. So, yeah, final words on this movie is that, that we're going to be bringing it up again on the end of the year finale because uh, we're going to do the movies that we love from 2022, and this one is one that we love, and it's going to be right up there. We're also going to be naming, and we're going to be releasing some photos on our on our Facebook page, so we'll know if any of you win, any of our listeners win and check it of our Girl of the Year. And in that Girl of the Year, I happen to be in charge of picking the Girl of the Year. I, I kind of have a clue of who you're leaning towards. Oh, you don't know her. She's not a she's not an actress. She's just a hot out of this world hot chick from Texas who works as a bartender and a server. I don't even know her personally, but we got permission to pose her photos, and she's a hot, smoking, hot blonde. I was about to say we got permission. I hope <laughs> we got we got permission. Yeah, we got permission. We got permission. She's a she's right, a good sport. I'll release her name, uh, or at least the name that we have on her. We know the real name, and we'll release the photos on our site, and we'll we'll bring it up on the show because we're gonna do a bunch of season finale stuff. Best kill, best this, best that, best moment. Might have to make it a two parter. It's gonna be a, it's gonna might have been it might might be a a, a two part yeah definitely it definitely we don't want to leave you with a cliffhanger but it definitely it could it could end up being being like that because uh yeah it's, 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 we got a lot to talk about on the on the season finale it's also gonna be the last episode of Power Rojo poor thing yeah. finally gonna put that mask and staple it somewhere in the uh, Tales from the Abyss studio and oh, let him rest all right man. Hey, I mean, he's not dead, right? He's just resting. No, he, he's going to be... Well, he's not dead, but he's going to be forgotten. He's going to be... Okay. In his own version of a Hall of Fame where he no longer gets to appear. He's going to be done. All right, man. So long, happy trails. Goodbye. I, I do what you got to do, bro. Yep. So... But I will say this real quick before we move on, just real quick. The... Uh, 
my final word on the Elvis movie is it has quickly become my favorite musical biopic. That's all you need to know. Absolutely. And in other news that I had to bring up, our friend, Mr. Grillo, that Jay's always talking about when is he going to get his dudes and when and why is this guy not being uh His name is Tom Grillo, right? Frank Grillo. Frank, Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo. Yeah. And he's going to be on a movie coming up based on another biopic. It's, it's uh, Lamborghini. Yes, I saw him at... Frank Grillo is the man right now. He's probably... Hell, this man is not a like a household name like Jason Statham or something like that. It, it is unbelievable because if you... I mean, this dude kicks ass. I mean, he can act. He's an actor. Yeah, yeah like like... Yeah, I think we finally are going to see this guy shine in the big stage the way that he deserves to shine with this one. Uh, you know what else? You know what comes out this weekend? What? The new Stallone movie, uh, Stallone series, Tulsa Kings. Oh, Tulsa Kings. I'll have to check that in the future. I don't have Paramount. Well, uh, I'm going to be front and center For that one. It should, it should oh, be. Oh, yeah. Me, me, me and my Stallone, man. We go way back. Yeah, I also recommend uh, A Friend of the Family on M on NBC, uh, NBC, on Peacock. Okay. That's a very good series. It's probably the, the one of the most impactful series of the year. Fair enough. Yeah, so Jay, this comes to the conclusion of our movie talk. I know you want to bring some stuff up about sports. And the floor yeah. is all yours. I'm yeah, gonna, man. I'm just going to uh, interrupt I when I got some questions to ask. You got some questions? Hit it. No, I mean, I'm going to interrupt when you're talking and, and ask some questions. You go ahead and talk about sports and how. Okay. Well, now, like I said earlier, you know, I, I missed last week because I've been sick. And if I'd done a recording, you probably couldn't have understood me anyway because I was stuffed up for four days. But, uh, Everything seems to be good to go now, and I will be doing a regular pick show on Friday, like I mentioned earlier. However, because I did not do a show on Friday, um, I will say that as far as the picks went that we would have put in, we would have gone once again one and three in college football, but we would have gone once again three and one in the NFL. So everything probably would have stayed the same at uh 50% which is perfect. So like I say before, you stay in that green, you're good to go. But uh I was also going to give college basketball predictions because the college basketball season starts this week. Tar Heels, baby. And so what I have done here is I have a final four prediction along with a winner Tar Heels. and four and four dark horse teams to check out. Hit it. All right. I'm going to start off with the Dark Horse teams. Not Final Four, but they could be. All right. First one was the Arizona Wildcats out of the Pac-12. Pac-12 is actually pretty good this year. Um, UCLA is the team to beat in that conference, I think. But Arizona is pretty good themselves. Um, and I think it's going to come down to whether or not they kind of play themselves out of the conference. We'll see. But one of the things I love about college basketball is that more times than not, the hottest team that goes into the tournament uh, could win the whole damn thing. So, and Arizona can get hot at any time. Uh, the Auburn Tigers, even though I hate their guts, 
because I'm a Bama fan. But in basketball, they're good. They have a good coach in Bruce Pearl. They have some good guys, some great young talent on that team, I think, and uh, they could be surprising. Uh, the Indiana Hoosiers. I'm sorry if you hear that weird noise in the background. My cat just threw up on the rug. Oh, mine is acting up in here, so. Dang, Rose. Man, anything happens here on Tales from the Mist. With the pets. Ugh, God. At least Charlie hadn't gone AWOL. All right. So, I was going to say the Indiana Hoosiers. They're, um, you know, Indiana's got a, you know, very steep tradition in basketball. But, unfortunately, despite some runs here and there, they just haven't gone back to prominence. But, they got a pretty solid team this year. Um, I've, I've looked at other picks, and not a whole lot of people are talking about them, but I kind of like them. So, yeah, I put Indiana in there. My last dark horse team is the Arkansas Razorbacks out of the SEC. They're saying that uh, Kentucky is going to be the team out of the SEC this year, or maybe even Auburn. But, uh, I do like Arkansas here. They, I, I liked them going to the Final Four last year. They didn't quite make it. They went to the Elite Eight. Um, I think maybe they break. They could break through, but uh, with Kentucky and Auburn there too, I'm not so sure. But they're still a team. Um, they're still a team to watch. So, with that, here is my Final Four prediction. And here we go. Uh, no particular order. I don't. I'm not going to do the seeds. One, two, three, four. Right. So there we go. All right. Uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They have one of the best players in the country, Timmy. Timmy. He comes back. Uh, he's going to be in line for like a National Player of the Year award. Um, Gonzaga does not play in a very tough conference, and I think that kind of that shows up with them in the big conference, meaning the NCAA tournament, um, because they have been good for a while, and they have not, they just haven't been able to push through and win that title. But I think they are still good enough to make the Final Four. Um, and with them possibly being a number one seed, they could have a pretty easy road. Uh, I have the Houston Cougars. Houston came out of nowhere. Well, not really out of nowhere, but surprised a lot of people last year with their run. Um, and they're still good. They know how to shoot the three ball. They run really well in transition. So I got the Houston Cougars in there. Um, out of the ACC, I have the Virginia Cavaliers. A lot of people like North Carolina in the ACC this year. North Carolina is very good. But Virginia did not make the tournament last year for the first time in seven years. Their coach, um, Tony Bennett, is not going to take that very well. He's a very good coach, and I think Virginia fires back this year. What's that? Nothing. Oh, okay. And then my last Final Four pick is the UCLA Bruins. I mentioned them earlier. They're going to be very good out of the Pac-12, plain and simple. Um, I think they, they got some really good guards there. I think UCLA's uh, very, very talented and talented enough to win the Pac-12. And they can win the Pac-12, which is going to be a good conference. I think they have enough talent to make the Final Four. 
And the team I'm picking to win the whole thing is UCLA. Okay. Tar Heels, baby. Tar Heels. You taking the Tar Heels? Oh, I mean, me and anybody that has common sense in this country knows that the Tar Heels are going to win it all. Nah, I'll take UCLA. Okay. We'll see. I'm just saying. I'm just we'll assuring. Well, you want, you, want to, well, you want to do a bet? I'm assuring our listeners that the North Carolina Tar Heels are going to win the national championship next year. You want to do a, you want to you want to do like a friendly, you know, host to host bet? Yeah, we do a friendly host to host bet. You're saying UCLA, I'm saying Tar, I'm saying Tar Heels. Okay. And if UCLA wins what? I will shave my armpits and mail them to you so you can display it to everybody as a trophy <laughs> that you got my armpit hair. Now I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I got enough of my own, man. All right, so let me go. <laughs> let me go. Uh, let me go with my questions around here. Hit it. At this point, can we write off any contenders that could give Georgia a run for their money? Is that over, and we're just waiting for the uh, little playoff for to crown the Georgia Bulldogs again as national champions? That's a very good question. Here's the thing: Georgia demolished. Tennessee this Just past Saturday. Destroy them. Every time I checked the score, I was, I, I mean, I had to check it like three times. I couldn't believe it. Now, Tennessee at the time was ranked number one in the country. Yes. And Georgia looked like the defending champion. They rolled over the volunteers. Destroyed. That is easily the best game that they have had all season. They had a couple games that they didn't look very good. They actually had a game where they should have lost. Yeah, but I th I think they were not they were not like and that's a bad thing to 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 have as a team that doesn't get inspired for some teams. Right, but oh, they were inspired Saturday, buddy. Whew. man. But here's the thing: it's Georgia's good. I I don't want to sit here and crown their ass because I don't like them. Yeah, no, but, I know. I don't. I don't like them any more than you do. But ah, uh, man, it's just reality. But it's just. Man, it's – Georgia, I mean, they're number one again, and rightfully so. Um, Ohio State's number two. I don't see – I think – I think you, you think Tennessee is better than Ohio State? Yeah, Ohio State's overrated. That's what I thought. Man, they're, they're out there playing Ray Charles University every week. They don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't play nobody. They beat up Penn yeah. State. It's not it's good, but not that good. And then number three is Michigan. I think Michigan's better than Ohio State. But but they lost to Ohio. No, well, they beat Ohio State last year. Yeah, they beat Ohio State last year. But they haven't played this year? I thought they played. No, that's the they... last game of the season. Okay, so that's that's in two weeks. That's in a few weeks, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and so. then the only other undefeated um, is TCU. In, but nah. for ratings purposes, they're not going to put TCU in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're going to get. I mean, hey, no, real quick, let me tell you why too. Um, um, back in two thousand, I believe it was 12 ish, something like that. TCU had a really good football team, and they went undefeated all year. And LSU had beaten Bama that year. But that was Bama's only loss. Uh, but they still didn't make the SEC title game that year. 
Yeah, and that was got one loss. TCU is undefeated, and this is before the playoff. It was the BCS championship game, right? Yeah. Number one, number two. Well, all of a sudden, Bama went from number like number six to number two. Yeah, <laughs> and they and, kicked TCU out of there. Yeah, and they uh, they went and celebrated a national championship. Yeah, but I don't know, man. With this playoff format, TCU still may, may get in there if they if they can win out. So. But as far as a big-time threat to Georgia, I mean, even though they've got two losses right now, it's LSU. Because LSU has the SEC West pretty much on lock. They got it on lock. At this point, they turned things around. Because they beat Bama last week, bastards. Yep. By a point. Good job, though, by Brian Kelly, though, LSU's coach. Oh, he's impressive. Okay. He turned things around from the first yeah. game to this one. Yeah. So, but um, you know, hats off. I mean, he made a gutsy, ballsy call at the right time at the end of the game. So, I mean, that's go go for two in overtime. Let's just go ahead and go for the win. I mean, great call, great call. But um, I think it's LSU. I mean, I, I was telling my, my my boy Arthur is from New Orleans. He's a big time LSU fan. I'm like, dude, go Tigers. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, but yeah, as far as the threat, I think LSU is probably the biggest threat right now. Exciting times. This week, your team travels to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I'll be working. I won't be able to go to that game. I got to work. Friday, I go. Thursday night, baby. I go into work at 3.30 in the morning on Friday, so I won't be able to. Yeah. The Birds coming off a hard loss over the weekend. We we found new. We find new and amazing ways to screw up. To screw up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they're still in first place. I mean... Tampa Bay, nice comeback, but nice comeback. I mean, Tampa Bay, in my opinion, is still not very good. So. No, no, no. In that division, they're all they all suck. Ah, uh, the NFC South is a shit show. At the moment, yeah, they're gonna revamp with some draft picks in the next two seasons, but right now, no. Looks like Carolina. Looks like Carolina might want to try to draft Bryce Young next year. They're gonna have to draft some some new arm and develop it because I mean, you can't keep on recycling somebody else's uh arms that have proven not to be uh, very good in other places and think that they're going to come down here in style and profile. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But I know everybody out there with young up-and-coming quarterbacks is doing very well, and all them team recycling the old arms that n- n- shouldn't be in the league right now, they're doing terrible. That's the reality of where the league is at right now, is a, is a young man's league right now. And Oh, God, all the young talent at quarterback. So much out there. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it out there. And that's good for the future of the sport because the sport needs an arm on every team in order for the games to be exciting every week. Right. I mean, that's the only way. I mean, Unless you got those teams that come out of nowhere with incredible defenses that everybody wants to watch. But for the most well, part. Hey, I know we got in the show and I know the Eagles are undefeated. And <laughs> I almost say a bad word. I almost say screw the Eagles. <laughs> I was this close. I thought we were talking in private. <laughs> oh, my God. That would have been bad. I don't want to curse on the show. No, uh, you're good. Then. I was just going to say, but <laughs> if you want to watch a team to watch out for coming up right now, oh, yeah. keep your eye on the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, that, but I've been saying that all year, that the Cincinnati Bengals are a team that are going to – they're going to shake off that uh, Super Bowl uh, – well, the reason I was saying that, I know they made a Super Bowl run last year, but yeah. it looks like their defense has gotten way better. Yeah, no, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to give everybody a, a a hard time towards the end. I, and I said that in August. Yeah, you did. 
I said it in August, and I stand by it. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to be everybody's nightmare by the time Uh late December rolls around. But they're doing it right now. I'm agreeing with you. Yes, sir. And, folks, with that, we have to culminate the show this week. And we'll be back next week with another exciting episode of Tales from the Abyss. So stay sharp out there, America. For the great Jay Lenderman, I am Powell Rojo wishing you all a safe and wonderful week.